Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maletsky. And I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. If you'd like to find us on the wider internet, you can look up trustthejourney.today and that will get you to our website as well as it's our handle on all of our social media streams. We are on Instagram and we are on Facebook and we are also on Patreon. Yeah, right on family. Thank you so much for being with us as always. Here we go. All right. Right on team. So in this episode, we are doing a deep dive into self-defeating thoughts. We're going to look at our experience with those and how we've healed them, basically how we've grown through our own and maybe probably what we're still working on. I say maybe and it's like, yeah, of course we will. (laughs) We're all still working on this stuff, I think, you know. Maybe yesterday. Maybe yesterday, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Since it's only like 9 a.m., I haven't had much of a chance yet to have to work on this today, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm sure an opportunity will arise. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And I just, I want to mention also that we got this topic because we were talking about coming up with a topic and Jay and I neither were you know, one time, basically, one of us maybe is inspired about something and we're like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And maybe there's something we're both into or whatever, and we go for it. Maybe there's nothing. And that's sort of what was happening this week. We're like, well, there's nothing really sticking out per se to dive into. And so we asked the Trust the Journey family, the Patreon group that, you know, is in our private Facebook group. And one of our peeps in there was generous enough with a share to open up about this experience of his own. And so I just really acknowledge that. I I give him massive credit for that share. And I appreciate it because I think this type of conversation and this just what we're going to talk about today can't not be helpful for both us, him, and everybody who hears this. So I'll go ahead and throw a, a comment in here. Um, cause I know he'll be listening and Siddharth yeah. is one of my long-term students in canopy piloting. He first approached me with a jump number somewhere around 15, mm-hmm. uh, straight off of AFF, kind of right out of, right out of school, ready to, to learn. And he had a clear goal ahead and, um, we've worked together for many years now in the canopy piloting progression he aimed to from the very beginning he wanted to go to the very top yeah and he's had this goal of like um developing his canopy piloting skills right from the onset and that is something that if you're inside of our sport you will know that often people will frown upon beginners who have lofty goals because as a beginner, you don't really know the hurdles, the risks, the upcoming challenges, the amount of time and dedication and perseverance and all the pieces that are related to um, the journey 
of going from a beginner to a, an expert or a pro. Yeah. And it's a long, long, long walk. You know, you're yes. talking thousands of jumps over many years and it doesn't happen in any, there's no shortcuts. You just can't cut a corner anywhere. It, it's a really beautiful analogy for just about any growth in our lives, you know, where we, we find ourselves where we currently are. We aspire to reaching a point at some point in the future that we see ourselves, we can imagine ourselves being, we envision ourselves being, and now we have to walk the walk and talk the talk and we have to believe it and we have to do it. And I've been very honored to have the opportunity to work with Sid because he's been one of the most dedicated students that I've had in my coaching career. I could list them on one hand, the number of students that have been as committed, as true to their word, as religiously present, and as perseverant through all the obstacles and challenges that, that lay there. And I've, had, I've been very lucky. I'm very honored as a coach, as an instructor, as a mentor to work with these individuals that come to me with these kinds of goals of long-term challenge, long-term growth and high aspirations. And I'm, I have a few that, I, that I'm very, very proud of. And Sid's one of them. So I very wholeheartedly accept the share from Sid in that it's completely honest. And it's one of the things that really I admire about his strength of character in such a way where he is completely fearless to just put it out there on the table. And whether it's this share of the personal challenges or whether it's going for the next, you know, performance, the next swoop, the next thing, whatever it is that he set out for himself to accomplish, it's just all or nothing, yeah. you know? And um, it really says a lot to me. So I, I wanted to caveat this conversation with that kind of opening piece because I think it's really important to understand that. Yeah, I love hearing that. I don't know Sid personally at all, and I'm grateful to hear that and get to know him better through you. So yeah, Sid, if you're listening, thank you as well. I wasn't sure if we wanted to share publicly, but since Jay knows you well, I, I now obviously feel safe to say hi to you and say thank you directly. So yeah, I love that you brought that up because definitely in my experience, when we talk about self-defeating thoughts and limiting beliefs and you know the things that we think that hold us back, make us feel bad, that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like that absolutely for me has been a very, very long road, you know, like why, like lifelong road to consciousness, growth, healing, like it's intense shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, mean, I mean that in full acknowledgement of the work that it takes for someone to take on a growth goal of that type of healing. So like you talk about respect. I think about my life coaching clients. I think about myself too, you know, and be like, fucking go me. Good job working on your shit. You know what I mean? Like really, really good job working on stuff that's really hard. You know what I mean? And being committed to that over a long long time you know like basic stuff it's so interesting how the self-defeating thought hides in the 
in the blind spots. You know, it like it hides in the background a lot of times until we see it and until we have a result that causes potential breakdown or whatever. And then we're like, well, shit, why did that happen? Or I say I I say I want this, but then this is this is what I'm doing or this is what's happening. And there's like this dissonance, right? There's this like confusion around what we're either saying we want or saying what we feel or think and then what we're doing or accepting in our life. And so it's it's interesting those breakthrough moments when we're like, oh, oh, I really am afraid I'm not good enough. Or, oh, I'm really actually afraid that I am unlovable. You know, like this is deep, powerful, painful shit. You know what I mean? So like this is a harsh episode, to be honest. I was thinking about it going like, okay, I hope I wake up in a good emotional place. (laughs) 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 But I can can do this. You know, we talk about being trying to be courageous for the sake of this work and the sake of our, you know, community here with Trust the Journey and just our own growth, as we've said, doing it through vulnerability and humility and all that. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's fucking do this. So I'll go ahead and just um, pick up the one there that just hit me in the heart space. And that was, I'm unlovable. Yeah. And I can relate so directly to points in my life where I was able, I can recall my own thoughts and I can hear myself thinking, fuck, I am such a basket case. I'm so weird and unusual and so far off the normal and so strange and and so just so 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 far off in one direction that the idea that I would ever be able to find anybody to to love me was like incomprehensible and I would imagine that there were periods in my t- in my life where I would I would think to myself, I'm just not going to find anybody. Like there's just nobody out there that's going to want to be any part of this because I'm just such a unique and you- I'm being nice to myself when I say unique. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm so special that there's probably not anybody as special as me in that kind of you know derogatory sense. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, that's pretty normal, too. Like this idea that thinking we're I thinking we're alone in our fucked upness. Right. And I say alone, but I mean, like, so extremely on the edges that we are clearly the unique one in terms of how screwed up we are and how unlovable we are or how whatever you know like for me it shows up in my perfectionist like that that's why that healing that perfectionist nature there's like this really intense fear in me that if i don't do something right or if i don't say the right thing it's there's a lot around like trying to do it right and that's the way that i'll be safe from you know from that fear that and you know an experience will prove me unlovable and that's the thing about self-defeating thoughts right is like we try to avoid at all costs experiencing life that proves that thought right because it's so painful to feel that thought that's why it's 
when we talk about self-limiting thoughts is it limits us because theoretically if it's that painful to feel and believe you know like if we connect to a thought and we really believe it if we really believe like i'm unlovable you know that type of, of deep dark kind of painful thought or i'm not good enough for whatever and whatever that sentence goes to then of course we would hold back in life you know and not do things because we couldn't risk having that experience that that feeling that experiencing that pain you know what i mean so for me if i if i start to talk about well cool that sounds totally sucky <laughs> part of how like at least for me again i'm not clear and through all this stuff from my own life not even close but i know i'm getting through some and i'm getting better is the consciousness around it helps me a lot like to know that that's oh that's a, a thing that's there from whatever old past experiences that i have and it's not and it was there to help me because it's trying to help me avoid this emotional painful experience and it doesn't actually serve me you know what i mean so it doesn't take away the feeling and the fear of not wanting to experience that. You know what I mean? Like that, but knowing at least gives me some starting point to go, oh, that's just a thought that was trying to protect me and it's not actual reality. I may not believe that yet. I may not feel safe in the world or whatever, but at least it's some starting point for and this is another thing i would be like for self-love like if i take something off my list of what do i do to grow forward from this type of pain point self-defeating self you know whatever thought it, that's one of the things that's high on my list which i always was like soup stupid self-love <laughs> thumbs down you know, not thumbs down, but like I was always annoyed that that was like one of the answers. Yeah. This is a, it's a pretty meaty topic, right? Like there's, there's some real meat on the bone yes. per se of where this creeps into all of our lives in different individual little sneaky ways right where it just lays under the surface it's kind of like a mold that's like you growing in a corner trapped somewhere where you don't really see it it's like in the wall or in the carpet or in the upholstery of the furniture and it's doing you harm and and you're not really always conscious to it we are not always conscious to it yeah and and I can say that for myself, you know, in the circumstances where these thoughts occur, they can be um, self-realizing in it and they can be um, as well. I mean, all things are right. All things are self-manifesting. Every thought we have, if we hold it, if we try to attach ourselves to it, if we grip onto that thought and start going, oh gosh, this thought, that's what we become. And yes. we just, we vibrate on that energy and that becomes us. Definitely. And they, that can be the same thing with positive, right? We just, the trick is, is actually recognizing the pattern is occurring within ourselves. And I've got some that come up in my mind and um, 
my mind does this interesting romanticizing of these negative thoughts. Interesting. In, What's, what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, in a way where part of my brain, and I can almost, like, I'm able to notice it at times being romanticized. Like, there's some thought that's like, oh, yes, but if you cling on to this idea of you being weak or you being imperfect or you having these issues, then, you know, there's some some escape in there that you don't have to keep trying anymore. Like that failure and being a failure and being a loser and being less than you truly are is just, it's an easy back door. I can just sneak out here and I can be like, fuck it. I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to aspire to really be what I want to be. I can be totally, I'll feel so content in my suckiness. Absolutely. You know? And so, it's the biggest. So dangerous. Fucking lie. Yeah, right? it's like a it's lie. Oh, it's a horrible lie. lie. Totally. Right? Oh, my God. I'm like, I hear that some of these little like, oh, yeah, just come out here. Just come out the back door. It'll be nice in the yard. We'll hide where we think we're terrible. And then yeah. if you let yourself go there, you just, yo, guess what? I'm terrible. I feel terrible. Yeah. I hate myself. Now, this is just self-creating. It's it's exponentially spirals down. Absolutely. It's so funny. Oh. I had a conversation yesterday. I was, I love these days. It's my, I don't know if you know Andy Malchiotti. He's one of my oldest friends. Yes. I love him so much. <laughs> and uh, he comes to New York and we have this like, just, you know, kind of annual, biannual day where we hang out in the city and his roommate uh, from college, Jeremy, is another awesome dude. And we just have this great time where we take an art and we have deep talks and ridiculous laughs. And it's just like an awesome soul fuel kind of day. Anyway, Jeremy was talking yesterday about, I forget the story, I want to say it was uh, Brothers Grimm, about you go to the darkest place in the forest, and that's where like the greatest treasure is found. And what I, why I bring that up is that the back door of like, if we own those thoughts, those deep, dark thoughts, like in terms of I'm going to just let them allow me out the back door it call it basically highlights the call to courage like the call to going okay if i do see this and i don't want to own it or believe it anymore how and what can i do and i mean this very freely in a in a very like lovingly let go type of sense like in a released from outcome type sense but like where and how can we move through that or earn new evidence to the contrary? And that's the thing about courage, about going, okay, what is the action, <clears throat> excuse me, that I can take into that darkness so that it's not as scary anymore? And how can I set myself up for safety to do so? Of course. So it's not just about being recklessly, you know, reckless abandon into the darkness and you know, whatever, maybe, I guess, maybe it could be, you know, for me, I tend to want a little bit more safety for myself in terms of, you know, that emotional support. So that's when I think about my support systems and, you know, just having a little bit of support as I take on this new way of being or this courageous act or this courageous communication, which could feel very scary because it's leaning into that very dark part that we're afraid to go, go to. The fear is real, right? Like that, 
element of emotion that we experience when these thoughts arrive, they trigger some kind of fear. Some kind of fear leaks into our brain and it becomes alive and it starts to take a presence in there and it starts to fill a part of ourselves. And we're forced with, with the choice to face that fear or ignore that fear. And ignoring it isn't actually answering it. It isn't actually dealing with it, suppressing it or ignoring it, pretending it's not there. This isn't the same thing as telling it no. You know, I'm not going to allow you into my thoughts or I'm not going to allow myself to have this thought, you know, and addressing the fear is a completely different thing than avoidance of the fear. Absolutely. And here, like, here's a, here's a, it's an, it's an analogy for these kind of thoughts, right? Um, I thought, I think I've mentioned this before. I've had a huge fear of sharks, Mm -hmm. right? So I grew up in um, the Great Lakes region in Toronto in Canada. So freshwater, inland, no oceans, didn't spend any time near saltwater. Only exposure to sharks was through um, Jaws movies, things like that, where it, you know, um, creates this uh, Hollywood embedded fear Mm -hmm. of this this animal. And then um, when I moved to Florida and I started spending time in the surf, there, there are sharks out there. Right. And... Guess what? People surf out there all the time. But when I would see a shark, I would be terrified, (laughs) terrified. And I mean, like just full on afraid. And there was a time when I stopped surfing because I was afraid because I couldn't deal with, I'd be so scared to go in the water because of this preconceived fear that was living in my mind. And so I wasn't dealing with it. I was allowing it to live and allowing it to own me and allowing it to just change my patterns and change the way I acted and take me away from my goal. Like I really wanted to surf and I wouldn't go in the water because I was afraid of it, you know, and I let it be something. And so not only would I not face it, but I would actually give it power Yeah, and create all in my head. No, this is just me. This is just inside my brain, right? Like I'm totally doing this entire dialogue of reality, creating reality inside my head. And I go research. I'm like, how many shark bites are there in the area here? And I'm I'm like giving it more and more power all the time. And I have over the years, slowly, slowly started to like zen zen this down like get it under control and start putting my toe in the water and do things like um paddle in a in a boat instead of in a in the water in the surfboard and then spend more and more time getting used to it and then just educate myself and learn about it and see them in the water you know and and they go no that's okay it's okay they're just fishing they want little (laughs) fish like this big they're they're not looking for me i'm like i'm too big for them to eat you know (laughs) Recognize that most every time I see something, it's a dolphin and not a shark. And right. they're wonderful, you know? And so this whole analogy is to like, oh, look, I took a, I, I self-created or I had a, a fear impressed upon me by some external source that was, that traumatized me. 
And now I have this trauma in relationship to this idea that's all of it's complete fall fallacy. Like I just made all this stuff up. And not only did I make it up and allow it to be real and become part of me, I've now also romanticized it by giving it all this big story that goes along with it. And now when I see a wonderful creature come along that I should totally spend some time with, I go, that's not a beautiful dolphin, that's a shark. And I turn this wonderful thing into something that I demonize, yeah. right? And the thing is, sharks are beautiful. Mm. They're wonderful. And I shouldn't even have a fear of it in the first place. And I should just be educating and accepting and just, just the Zen Buddhist be way of just be. Well, you know, create a preconception. Yeah, you know? but I mean, but the truth is, is that you had and you did, you know, like, so that's the thing about like, cause that's easy to say too, right? Like, just reframe your thoughts, peeps. <laughs> <laughs> who are listening to our Trust the Journey episode. It's just, just think oh, you're better man. and you're lovable. Like, it just doesn't work like that. You know, like, it, at least not in my experience. Maybe some people really can go, oh, I'm thinking, you know, this deep thing and I'm not good enough, so I don't try things and I don't, you know, connect deeply or whatever, you know, or I don't say what I feel or whatever it is that's holding them back. You know what I mean? And it's, it takes those i what i like about your story is that you show incremental effort to inch through that clearly sort of rooted thought and that's the thing when we talk about self-defeating thought that shit usually starts at the beginning right like mm -hmm. as as babies right we don't and again i'm not a therapist i don't know but in all my learning around therapy and you know, life coaching and just personal growth pathways and, and all the things that I've done to like help myself and try to grow and heal through this stuff and increase my own consciousness and self-awareness and yada, 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 is that it starts at the beginning and we make up these stories, you know, like my parents got divorced. You know what I mean? And it's like my family split. It makes sense. You know, I don't mean to go to that cliche story, but it does compute. You know what I mean? That it would that I would have this sort of like pain point around people leaving. You know what I mean? And like and going, oh, OK, cool. I got that. That's there. And then working to learn to trust people. You know, I mean, it, it also makes sense why you know, I love people so much too. I mean, there's more there of like total purpose and fascination around human beings. So there's more, more to that than just a pain point. But the pain point is mixed in, in the sense that I like knowing and I like having that experience of connecting deeply because it, it does work toward healing that part of me that was so afraid of that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, there's a, a line in the comment that, that Sid left in um, regard to this, this episode of the topic. And it said, um, let's see, hold on. Um, things like tell yourself that you're the best and believe it don't work for me. And I read that and it makes me smile. And the reason why I have to smile when I read that is because I know this story personally so well so so well telling myself i'm the best and not believing it and 
I want to share a little bit of kind of the practice of self-esteem versus self-defeating thoughts and then the relationship between ego mm -hmm. and just self mm -hmm. and the non-attached self just present to oneself and the ego of like wanting to achieve wanting to be you know and just being so for um many years when i was competing and i may have mentioned this before but you know the reason we tell stories over and over again is because we're getting old and we forget we told them before <laughs> well and they're relevant <laughs> no, to different conversational relevant, yeah. tracks i support you <laughs> teammate <laughs> so for many years i trained many many years i trained to be world champion and during that journey i would have a regular routine which involved standing in front of the bathroom mirror the cliche of cliches and standing there and looking there and the, looking myself in the eye and going you're the best and part of me looking right back and going you're fucking lying yeah just i hear i just hear the voice in my head say you are lying mm -hmm. and there's another voice in there that says but you know you can be yeah. And there's another voice that goes, but you're not yet. Yeah. And then the the voice that says, you know, you can be, it, it, it's also, it's rooted in like a truly positive part of self that's like, I believe in you. I know you can do this. You've truly got this. I know you can do it, you know? And it really, really, really believes. And that's me. There's a part of me that really, really, really believes that I can, not that I am that I can. Yeah. Then there's another part of me that says you can't do this. You cannot do this. And that's this self-defeating piece, right? It's the piece that says that stays attached to not the optimistic belief that you can, but it looks at the reality and says you're not. Mhm. Mm and pulls back down in the other direction and says and you're not going to be. Ugh. Yeah. Right. And it has this opposite pull of mm -hmm. self. And I would do this little exercise. Usually when I was brushing my teeth, it'd be like a get out of bed, wander into the bathroom, grab the toothbrush, be looking in the mirror. And eventually I'd usually end up stopping in the middle of brushing my teeth and just be standing there with a foamy face, you know, like <laughs> toothbrush in hand and just looking at myself and going, come on, Jay, what are you talking about? Are you going to be the best? Are you the best? You're not, you're not the best yet, but you know, you can be, yeah, but you're never going to be. And this little dialogue just going back and forth. And this went on for years and yeah. years and oh, years yeah. and years yeah. until, until the numbers, the actual results of my training showed me not the egotistical part, not the part that's like, you really want this i'm aspiring to it was the part that says i know you can yeah i know you will be that part that's like just self-confident in non-egotistical way says you've done the work yeah the work is now showing the results mm -hmm. and the realization i can remember the moment clear as day when after a decade of practice i go i really am I really am. I believe it now. I suddenly remember the believe it thought Ugh. appearing in the mind. And I'm and I laugh because the comment 
you know, that Sid Place is like, this doesn't work for me. I'm like, how many years have you been doing this for? Yeah. Because it took me 10. Oh, my God. At I least know, right? a fully dedicated practice to get to a point where I actually believed it. Yeah. Well, and you never know where the breakthrough moment will come. It honestly makes me think of because like of like body image stuff and like loving oh your physical form and re like really getting there and so ugh, dude i mean it it took me a long time and i'll tell you and this is a this is a really i think cool interesting sort of specific like thought because i feel like a lot of people if not everybody in some way struggles with a body image self-defeating idea. And so for me, it's like, and that's the thing about it hides in the blind spot, hides, it hides, it hides. And maybe you notice, or maybe it's very present and you're very negative about your body, but like the, the classic thing about thinking you're fat or, you know, grabbing your middle and, and feeling like that's, it's not good enough or you next to the model or the whatever, and feeling like you need to be thinner or whatever you're thinking, right? Like, so for me, I always had sort of this like general tone of like that, I'm not the pretty one, you know, like I'm not the sexy one, you know, like my body isn't like model body or whatever, which is, you know, from lots of different things, but like the moment. And so aware of that, bringing that up, but like there was a moment literally, and I wrote this, it's in my book that I wrote with my girlfriends about healing through heartbreak and stuff like that. It's, I write about this moment in that book it's called With Our Whole Broken Hearts. And I bring that up because it was literally a fucking rocket to my brain where I had, I like I was wearing this kind of cute, hot outfit with a skirt and boots. And again, this maybe is not relevant to the guys listening, but it for the girls, I'm guessing will we'll really- It's relevant. Okay, it's cool, relevant. cool. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was making a real effort to care about my physical self. I was eating excellently. I was running. I was, I was, cause I was in a heartbreak healing experience. So there was more need for that at the time. But the spe specific part of like this realization of what I actually look like, you know what I mean? Was this moment I was in Barcelona. I was in some random hotel room. It had this beautiful, like ornate giant, full-length mirror and I had this really cute hot outfit on and I saw myself in the mirror and I was like whoa holy shit like it fucking hit me like a lightning bolt oh oh I'm beautiful like and I say that I almost want to cry because it's like it really really healed me that moment have I felt fully like totally with my shit every single moment since that moment? No, but that was a stake in the ground moment that only came from me making efforts to try to, you know, really see myself differently. You know what I mean? And then when that happened, it was like, oh, and it really did change things for me. Like in for the most part, since that moment, I have felt sexy, hot, like 
content and in peace in my body, it was a pretty powerful change. Now, I bring this up too because you talk about the effort in the mirror. And I'm saying all this stuff not to be like overly sharing and whatever, but like I feel like this is going to be useful for people to hear because it's so vulnerable, this idea that we don't love our bodies. And I did a whole mirror thing too where I was like, oh, this feels awkward as fuck, you know, talking about talking to yourself. <laughs> this is like post breakthrough. So I'm like, oh God, this is so embarrassing. But I'm by myself. I'm in Thailand. Like I don't have to tell anybody. I can tell people years later on my podcast that I do with JMO. You know what I mean? So, it's, <laughs> But like that helped solidify the breakthrough for me, you know, to stand in the mirror and go, you are sexy, you are beautiful, whatever it was, right? And, and like that, it felt awkward as fuck. Do not get me wrong. I did not enjoy it. I didn't like it. But it led to more healing for that part of my self-defeating like makeup. So that part of me feels really genuinely, for the most part, healed, which I count as a high accomplishment in my personal growth life. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. No, thank you. I hope that people listening find inspiration in that share because... I think it can feel very much like this stuff will never, ever, ever go away. I definitely feel that way about some of the other self-defeating self -defeating thoughts that I feel and fear. You know, there's no, um, you were mentioning whether it's valid for the guys out there and gender makes no difference as to our perception of self. Yeah. You know, the people in society, it's very, um, it's very commonplace for women to be, um, catalyzed as victims of body self-image. And I would argue that there's just absolutely no line between women and men and that everybody looks in the mirror with that same judging stare yeah. and decides whether or not they love themselves just the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful challenge for all of us to come into that realization of self and acceptance of self and and also the choice the choice you know to embody whichever version of self we wish to embody yeah. you know and to be happy with the version we choose yeah. definitely yeah. another thing for me that's on my list of how i grow through this stuff just to share is the purposeful nature of sharing it after you know so like there is and, and again it's in the trust the journey values and mission but like for me if if people were to ask me like okay cool well how do you keep how do you how do you do it you know how do you how do you get through these fears and these thoughts and you know so it's it's the action it's the acknowledgement consciousness it's the courage and for me an underpinning piece of positivity and positive energy that I bring to it is that is that I believe the sharing of it is a, a part of my healing because it is both in service to me and it is in service of others. So my hope is that in sharing a pain point or a growth experience or a challenge or a just just life experience at all, my belief is that that connects us. Like, I don't need to necessarily hear from people listening today that they got something from that share, 
but my my belief my faith like i have a belief that that is of service and so that makes me feel really good about solidifying it through that avenue so it's this purposeful purposeful thing underneath which and i have more to say about that but that's it yeah this is a really really powerful uh thing to recognize for ourselves it's a very common place in all forms of therapy whether it's an individual or whether it's a group setting whether it's um trauma or whether it's um addiction or whether it's self-judgment or whatever the the piece might be the simple I mean, the the point that you offer about it being service to others is a, it's kind of a wonderful return. I think initially the concept that sharing a thought or an experience actually externalizes it, meaning, and when I say that by externalizing it, I mean we release it. Yes. We actually take it from being something that lives within us and be, is part of us. It is a thing that we allow to be part of our being. And we say, out you go. Yeah. And you put it outside of us. Just by saying it, we take it out of our mind, out of our body, out of our system of, of, of self. And I put it outside and I'm able to then be objective to it because I'm not just having this internal dialogue with myself anymore. I'm actually removing myself from this thought, this thing that I've created in, internal, internally, letting it be external. And now we can, we or I, you know, whether it's you and a therapist, whether it's you and a group of other people sharing, we can objectively discuss it and say, that's just a thought, exactly. it's just a thing. You know, and then I can decide whether I'm going to let it back in or not. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> probably not. And then you're just to caveat your point there. So powerful is in, especially in the group, you know, this is very common. There's so many groups, um, recovery groups, right? That the idea of sitting in a circle or sharing in a group forum about our, our equalities in um, in these areas in it's a uh, that we all have the same challenges that we all suffer through the same things and as soon as we're able to share and we look around a room and go well, he's ha he's having the same issues I'm having she's having the same issues I'm having yeah. we're all having the look we're all the same so this isn't just me this is actually just normal. Yeah. And by all of a sudden making it normal that everybody suffers it, we can let it go. We don't have to be like, oh, I'm so, I'm so unique that I'm so, and this is just common language, you know, from any kind of a, a group therapy session. It's like, just let that go, let it go. Yeah. It have to be and it here. speaks to the safe environment, right? The safe channels to do this, whether it's trusted friends, whether it's trusted professionals, whether it's a group that's meant for that. You know, so it doesn't necessarily mean we want to do it with just anyone, although that might be fine, too. It's more just I, I just want to highlight that there Absolutely. are avenues for this type of sharing because it is vulnerable. Like if we talk about vulnerability, like when we're really looking at this stuff, it takes courage. It really does. So whether we're expressing it for the first time or we're expressing it in uh, in a challenged, frustrated state, feeling like it won't go away, whether it's 
we're working through a activated emotional time, whether we're, you know, there's lots of different times we might express as part of our healing and part of our processing and working through this. But yeah, I just, I, I wrote a list of stuff. What's funny is I wrote a list of stuff to write, work on in this episode, and then I forgot to bring it to the desk. So I'm like, the universe must just want me to go for it and <laughs> remember what I'm going to remember. But I did write down a list of those things of, you know, different avenues for having breakthrough and sharing. Because I, I remember another thing about that. There's lots of different ways we can have breakthrough and healing and stuff like that. And I, I wrote down, you know, things like group, uh, like, uh, like Landmark, for example, where they have this uh, three-day thing where you share a lot if you want to, but it's this, you stand up in front of the whole group and it's this really amazing experience when you really actually are vulnerably sharing and it's this safe space of like lots of people and you really feel, I mean, at least in my experience, you know, I had an experience where I was very vulnerable at the mic and felt so supported in that in that experience. And that was just one of those talk experiences. But I also think about, you know, the plant medicines and the psilocybin ceremonies and how those are so healing, but that's a totally different avenue of healing. But does that affect self-defeating thoughts and create healing for us? Well, yeah, it does. You know, therapeutic stuff, going on a hike, like getting in nature, doing something purposeful that's not relative to the self-defeating thought. Like there are so many different avenues to healing that can be antidotes to this type of stuff taking over our life and taking over our brain. I think there's a couple things in there that I'd like to, to talk about a bit. Um, one of them is the look inward and the, like the objective look inward and just allowing ourselves to truly be self-analyzing and without judgment to just, okay, these are the thoughts that I'm having. Okay. Those are just the thoughts that I'm having. And just, and the, where that came up was when you, you mentioned, you know, like uh, a psilocybin experience or, or something like an ayahuasca experience, any psychedelic experience is very, very introspective typically where it's a deep dive into self. And there's other times like meditation where that's a very uh, identical experience in the sense where the entire point of the experience is to listen to our own thoughts and be the, the active listener rather than receiving them as something we are, just allowing them to float by and be like, oh, that was an interesting thought. Look at that. Okay, you can carry on. Yeah. Oh, look, there's another thought. Okay, go carry on. I'll just be here observing thoughts rather than accepting them and allowing them to become me. And there's, um, I was listening to a wonderful podcast uh, yesterday or the day before um, from MAPS, uh, the Multidisciplinary uh, Science uh, for Psychedelics, mm -hmm. Psychedelic Sciences. Um, and it was this discussion between, um, Buddhist monks mm -hmm. and who do not engage in psychedelic, um, drug yeah. use yeah. for that purpose I've medicinally. Seen that, yeah. yeah. And, um, 
and um, psychonauts who specifically therapeutically use these things for introspective. And it was really wonderful to hear the comparisons of how there's these uh, alignments in the point of just being present to self through these experiences and not allowing them to be the version of self that we want to be, that we are being, that we just are, we're just okay. And just, those are just things that I heard or things that I saw and whether they came from external sources or whether they came from internal things, they're, they're just things that are floating around and they aren't truly us. Agreed. Yes. Yeah. And there was another point that I wanted to talk about and I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we're all letting go of the perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that presence of course is a powerful antidote. Yeah. You know, oh, like, I remember now. Yeah, so, go ahead. Go. Um, it was the polarity. Yeah, please. Yes. Um, the internal introspective version of self. So sitting in a quiet place, meditating, quiet place, I mean, it quietly internally, like just allowing ourselves to be quiet, not speaking, trying not to be thinking, just, just allowing thoughts to be, but then, so this is the, the look inward. And then the outward is the action, right? And so that's what you were touching on with go for a walk, go for a hike, get outside, go for a swim, ride your bike, action. And so quiet internal reflection needs to be mirrored by external action. These two things have to exist in polarity. If we only ever sit quietly to ourselves and we never engage in external action towards the goals that we have for self, which is to be present, to be okay with myself, to just not be attached to a self-defeating idea, then we just have to act and move. Literally, that's it. Just move. Yeah, absolutely. Just move. Oh, yeah. Such an easy, I say easy with, you know, bunny ears, like easy thing to choose. If we, you know what I mean? If we really are like struggling to shift, that's a, that's a thing we can choose, you know? I, one of the things and why I wrote down some of those lists, some of those things on the list was this idea of having experiences, if possible, that connect us to things much, much, much bigger than ourselves. Like really aiming to and intentionally sort of making an effort to connect to the bigger picture. You know, so whether that's ceremonially or whether that's just getting into nature, you know what I mean? Like, however we can access that idea that we are connected to that bigger whole, that bigger connectedness, that is such a beautiful salve on the smaller pain points of an individual in my experience. At least it has been for me. Yeah. Um, I, I want to point something out that, you know, I mean, we mentioned a few times uh, the idea of get into nature and at its very most basic even if we're deep inner city all you have to do is go outside yeah just outside as soon as you're outside you're in the air the wind the sky is there <laughs> yeah right 
if as long as we're in a box or in a house or in a room or in not or in indoors all you have to do is switch that to outdoors it may not be the most perfect beautiful version of nature that you can imagine some national park that's pristine and untouched you know but this is also like the version of self I may not be the version of self that I imagine myself to be, that I aspire to be, but I have to be okay with the version of self that I am right now. I have to be okay with where I am right now and with what I actually have available to me in, in this version of self. And so if what I can do right now is go for a walk down the street and just be outside for a few minutes, then that's the same thing as, okay, maybe I can just be okay with myself for a few minutes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's craziness. Life is a ride. <laughs> I, I, what I hope people are getting from this conversation today is that it's, is that common thread of we all feel this stuff in our own ways. We all have our own version of this struggle and I don't know everybody in the world, so I certainly could be wrong about that, obviously. But I just say that because of all of the, just all of the connecting experiences I've had, either through my own desire to connect with others and be real and to hear, you know, actual life experiences and emotional experiences from others, whether it's in the work that I do with others in this realm. And whether it's my own self, I just feel like it's so, every time I think I'm alone in something, I've been wrong. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's a very supportive thought for many when they're in emotional challenge, at least it has been for me. You just said something very interesting. You said, I don't know everybody in the world. And I would argue that. <laughs> I would say perhaps you have not met everybody oh, in the world. Oh, I love that reframe. But oh my God. Dana. I would say that we are so infinitely connected and that truly we're all just one great big experience. Ugh, I love that. We do that. know each other. We do know that everybody has the same set of fears, the same set of goals, the same aspirations. Yeah. You know, it's, the, it's no different. I love that you just said that. I'm going to keep that forever. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> That's good because I say that a lot because it's like that like separate, like not wanting to judge or think no. I know everything. No, it's no, more no, that no. like conversational uh, thing. But I love, I love, I love it. I'm keeping it forever. You're welcome. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Oh, my God. Any final thoughts before we go to our experiment no, i actually i feel like that hour just kind of cruised by and that feels like a wonderful stopping point yeah. so i'm very happy to just um say first of all say thank you um to sid for yes. proposing some for, for being vulnerable and willing to share his thoughts and his challenges and put them out there and um it really is inspiring and it is an example for you know what's the risk that's been taken oh i'm going to share these these demons these fears these things that challenge me and now here we are you know we were putting our best foot forward and it may be wobbly but we're putting it out you know and that's all that's what it's all about that's trusting the journey oh, so. so true i love it yeah. it's very inspiring to me too i've yeah, yeah thank you sid 
So let's do our what are we doing section. What are you doing, Mel? <laughs> what are we doing? What I we have doing? been laughing oh about this because a couple episodes ago, we had this big talk about space and small space and how I was like, totally cool with my, my apartment, which I always have been. And excitingly, Sarah, my roommate and I have just decided to move to a bigger place and I'm very excited about it. It's, awesome. it's fascinating to see the, it's, it's very cool. I'm excited. So we're not, we haven't moved yet, but I'm excited we're moving in, uh, in June and the even idea of having more space to grow and do more videos and like just do just have more space to do my work and do my thing and live my life i it's a fascinating thing because i really meant every word that i said on the other podcast about being totally chill and making the space work and it's all good i meant every word and so it's just cool to go you're allowed to change your mind and and lean into a different choice if that's what's happening. So that's kind of what I'm experimenting with is really being okay with changing my mind and maybe, you know what I mean, and just doing something differently. Obviously, that's a bigger choice, but it feels very aligned. Now that we've made the choice, it feels very aligned. So I'm just excited about that. It's not necessarily something I'm experimenting with, but it's something significant that I wanted to share. So I guess the future experiment is really using that more that that expanded space. Very cool. Yeah. And this is the thing is, I mean, like these things come and go in our life, right? Like at some point we might choose to have more space and at some time we might choose to have less. And that may ebb and flow through periods. It might have a, it might become, you know, a, a static thing that we live with in a certain way but change is good yeah i'm excited yeah i um i'm gonna share that something that i've i've never really been it's funny because i i love hiking right so i love walking essentially right but i've never really done like walking around my neighborhood until last year when i had a back injury and big piece of recovery is just simply walking and so I would do walk as far as I can and then rest and recover walk as far as I can rest and recover so I started having this habitual routine of going for a walk you know at least once or twice a day and for quite a few weeks now coming into months next actually months now if I'm telling the truth I am in this routine of and I've never been this person. And so this is a really interesting change thing to talk about because it's just started happening and I love it. I really do love it. I get out of bed now and I like rub my eyes and they're all foggy and I like put on some clothes and I head out the door. Nice. Like straight away. I'm like wow. out the door. The earlier the better if I can be out while it's still on the very first light. And I've never been a morning person. I'm out at the first light and I'm walking a few miles. If I feel like running, I run a bit, but at least walking, you know, two, three miles. And if I don't have time, I'll walk one, you know, but as soon as I'm up, like, no, I have it, the argument will happen sometime. It'll be like, no, like get some breakfast or no, like check your phone or like uh, fiddle around in the bathroom or like, and then there's part of me that's just 
loudly speaking up that's saying, no, go, go, go. And, and I love it. It feels great. And it's, it's pay that action is paying me the reward back in feeling better about myself yeah. in, in many ways. So that's, that's so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I Simple. dig it. I dig small incremental things like that. And I say small not to diminish it because I, I recognize and acknowledge the effort that it takes to actually do that, get out the door. I mean, Mel yeah. Robbins, her 54321 thing, I don't know if people, I'll just leave that as a last minute. Go check out Mel Robbins live on Instagram. She's the bomb. She's one of the people that I really aspire to be like as a speaker. But anyway, she has this thing where it helps people get out of bed where they interrupt those thoughts and they say five, four, three, two, one, and then they get up. It's like a version. It's a version of like busting through fear and stuff. So it can be used in any scenario. It doesn't have to be just getting out of bed, but very cool. Love it, my friend. Well, go team. Guys, thank you all so much for being here as always and being a part of the Trust the Journey family. I want to mention that the reason why this episode occurred is because of our Trust the Journey family group, which you can become a part of if you would like to be. It is a safe space for our community to flourish and to share and to grow together and laugh at each other and ourselves. And um, if you want to be a member of that, you can become a Patreon and you can find the link to Patreon either below this video on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, or you can find it on our website at trustthejourney.today. If you scroll to the bottom, there's a big orange button and, or you can go on patreon.com and you can search, but sometimes it doesn't come up in the search and I haven't figured out why (laughs) I keep trying, but you can for sure find it on the website. And if if supporting through Patreon is not your desire and you just want to watch and, and or listen and take this in, we're totally down with that. That is awesome. Please feel free to absorb as much as you wish from us. And if you want to leave us a comment or any feedback on iTunes or on our website, that is also greatly appreciated. Much love to everyone for any way you choose to participate. Yeah, definitely. Just to echo the Trust the Journey family thing just quickly because it's, so inspiring to me because it is clearly in alignment with the values like creating conscious connections growing and contributing all of us together through vulnerability humility trust hilarity all the all the things that we believe in and stand for are actually occurring and it's so inspiring to me and supportive to me to be in that experience so we really and truly invite you all and it you know, the Patreon thing, it could be as a dollar a month, like whatever you feel inspired to contribute, we're happy to have you. So yeah, guys, anything else? Trust the journey dot today, all the social media channels, but really thank you so much for being with us. We love you. <laughs> keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey.